Howdy, I'm Paul Isaacoder, and this is Author's Dozen, a podcast where I explore barriers to storytelling by writing one novel every month for 12 months. Please enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Author's Dozen podcast. It's been a while, hasn't it? And uh, yes, I know it's been terrible for you. It's been wonderful for me. Free time. It's all wonderful. Um, so... Uh, I want to welcome you back because I also want to welcome back Amy, who uh, was on our podcast before. She did an interview where I read her amazing and polished book, and now she's back to read my uh, not amazing and not polished book. There's a level of uh, embarrassment, you know, that comes with sending your work off if you know it's not 100% yet. And uh, yeah, that is that was definitely magnified by uh, the wonderful regard uh, with which I hold uh, Amy's latest book. So, um, yeah, Amy, would you like to remind the people who you are uh, and what you do and why you're here? Yeah, sure. My name is Amy Lynn Green, and I am the author of a debut historical novel called Things We Didn't Say, and that's what we talked about last time. Uh, I also work in the publishing industry on the marketing side of things, so that's more my background. Occasionally, I do critiques and readings for our editorial side, but for the most part, I'm on the dark side of the publishing house um, uh. and also have a number of writing friends who we get together and exchange parts of manuscripts and critique. So that's my background. Um, usually there, some of my friends that I critique with are more on the fantasy um, range of things, but my personal reading style goes from historical to fantasy to kids' books to nonfiction and almost everything in between, although not a lot of sci-fi. So that's the grain of salt that you can take this with is sometimes if I say something, it might just be that I don't know what I'm talking about. Grains grains of salt will be liberally applied to all these interviews because I am hopefully uh, forgiving of whatever it is you're afraid of me uh, being angry at. I hope uh, you will be forgiving um, for a uh, a book that is it's it's got it's. Well, I'll let you figure it out, but yes. it's uh, not what I would produce if I had uh, years to work on it. So yeah, um, we will leave it at that. This is like 10,000 times better than my first drafts are. So I don't know why you're worried about any of this because <laughs> uh, like, yes, there are some places where you can go through and say like, oh, yeah, I would take more time on this or I've developed this particular thing. But yes, I was very impressed, especially knowing in how little time you wrote it in. But even if I hadn't known that, it's a really solid first draft. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, so we can get started. So um, like with all of our critiques, uh, I'm just here to listen and have a conversation. So you can just start it however you like. Great. So I am reading and reviewing the SS Terminus. And uh, again, not usually my genre, but there was a historical element that made Paul say, ooh, maybe this is the one um, that would be good for you to read. So we've got some steampunk elements going on in this one, which I really enjoyed. Um, so before I start in on things that I liked and things that if I were your editor, I would tell you that you could go through and work on in your next draft, I just wanted to ask you a question first, Paul, which is if you were describing the plot of this, like thinking about how to describe it on the back cover of a book, but you also weren't worried about spoiling the ending too much. Um, so it doesn't have to be catchy or hooky. But if you were mm. uh, thinking about in a few paragraphs how you would tell the plot of the story, let me know. And while you think about that, 
the reason that I ask that question is because before I do a critique, I like to hear what's most important about the story to the author so that mm. I know, um, first of all, if it came through to me that that was the main plot and what things were subplots. Um, and also just as I, as I make suggestions to know that that's the main thing that you want to keep as the through line can be super helpful. So tell me, what is the plot of the SS Terminus? Sure. So I'll tell you what, that is uh, terrifying because what I what I would prefer is if people would just remain in ignorance and think like, oh, whatever I got out of it was what he meant to me mm -hmm. get out of it, whatever. So, um, But yes, this is helpful. So let me go ahead and get started. Um, so SS Terminus uh, is about a sort of uh, 17th century uh, naval officer who gets an assignment to go and chase down um, a former friend of his. Uh, who is also a captain. Um, he is recently, he is promoted to captain for this uh, mission because it's kind of a, it's like a secret dirty mission uh, because this other guy um, was sort of going rogue and pursuing this like spaceship that has just recently um, come into this uh, otherwise, you know, regular 17th century ish world. Um, Everybody's freaked out about the spaceship. Everybody thinks the spaceship can wipe everybody out. And so they're just trying to stay away as kind of like the British, you know, or French colonial uh, stand in this captain's empire uh, sends him out to sort of stop the guy from blowing everything up. Or uh, there's there's some other people with some competing interests along the way. That all uh, comes to a head as he tries to manage things between his crew and some, uh, uh, like a doctor, it's his second mate, um, sorry, his first mate. He's eventually marooned uh, at sea with a bunch of uh, sick guys. And uh, yeah, he's picked up by the spaceship who, it turns out, is captained uh, by his uh, former friend uh, who also uh, lost his ship and crew, but who wants to use this spaceship um, as a way of just protecting the only people left who originally had the spaceship, which are some children who otherwise uh, would have died from a disease that the Empire sort of like uh, sent after them. So it's a... Yeah, that was great. Good job with like zero preparation that I just <laughs> threw that at you. Um and that's, that's helpful to me. And I, I think that, yes, that is the main arc that I got. There are some questions that I'm going to ask to say, um, how do you feel like this serves the main plot? Or um, is there any way some things could be combined or changed in a way that would make it clear what the main um, thing that's going on would be? So, great. Sure. Wonderful. Um, so some things that I really liked, I'm going to start out with this. Uh, there were a lot of things. Um, the things that I didn't like are usually a little bit more specific. Um, and so they, I go into a little bit more detail on those and the things that I liked were broader, which is good because it's really hard to fix a lot of broad things. Um, right. I really liked how well the novel read, um, and I think that one thing that was good about that is the short amount of time you decided to go for um, in the course of the story, leaving a lot of the backstory to memories or some brief um, dialogue bits um, worked well. It, the tension of the story was able to be kept up because it's only over the course of a few weeks. Um, and I think that that was perfect for what you were trying to do. Um, I also thought that your the 
the peril of the actual situation they were in balanced really well with um, some of the interior conflict that the characters were having. Um, there wasn't, I felt like, too much of one or the other. Every now and then there was a place where I thought, eh, like maybe there could be a little less of something or this was a little too on the nose, but for the most part, a really good balance. And um, very hard to do, I feel like, in the sense that a lot of books I read the middle, just like nothing's happening. We're just like biding time until the end of the story. And I really didn't feel like that with this one, which was great. Um, did you have the middle planned out as you were going through, or did you just kind of know where you wanted to start and where you wanted to end? Yeah, so a little bit of uh, columns A and B. So I wanted the uh, the idea to center around like disease and you know kind of the only weapon you would use against a uh, a colonizer or a colonizee is uh, yeah a biological one since the technology is so unbalanced. I originally. Um, did not foresee the sort of mutiny angle that uh, became apparent uh, later on as like the more interesting uh, way to approach uh, conflict because a fight between a ship and a um, and a spaceship uh, is not something I could write about uh, and retain any sense of realism. Yeah, it became more about like mutiny, and as that happened, uh, it became more about like uh, power dynamics and, you know, um, yeah, just the um, moral compromises you have to make uh, sometimes in leadership roles. I don't know. I like intrigue. I like, uh, you know, trying to play games with people's heads. So mm -hmm. it's a good time. Yep. I don't know what that great. says about me as a person, but there we are. I mean, it says you're a writer. Uh, that I think is a pretty <laughs> universal trait. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are some perfectly <laughs> normal writers who are not sadistic, uh, yep. but we're not either of them. Um, so uh, other things that I really liked. I think Robert as a character is really, um, you want to cheer for him the whole time. Uh, his upbringing, his... Um, the way he goes about his life and his actions. And um, I just think it's really easy to sympathize with him from the very first chapter, which is really important, um, especially because a lot of the story is just like it's told from his point of view. So I think that that's a really great lead casting that you did in that character. I have a little bit more to say about that because there were a few places where I was like, mm, I don't know if this is super consistent <laughs> with who you are. Um, yes. So we'll talk. Yeah. But Really great character, which um, I read books for the characters. So that is important um, to making the book hold together. Um, last thing um, on the things that I wanted to call out specifically, I really liked how the sci-fi elements worked um, inside your, you know, 1600s world um, that you had both the maritime drama and the struggles um, that are inherent with that alongside more Star Trek-like uh, conflicts about like what do we do when another civilization collides with ours. Um, and the idea of empire is kind of inherent in both of them. So I think it was a really good pairing um, and that those two themes played a lot better together than I even would have guessed. Um, I like that the characters had to worry about being attacked by a spaceship and also by like a whale and they had to <laughs> be in fear of being marooned and also provoking interplanetary war. Um, the variety of the conflict there I feel like was good without being too um, 
Like they, they fit well thematically, even though the two things yeah. were very different, which is great. Oh no, that was a that was a fear of mine as like I kept trying to like drum up conflict is like, does this all work together thematically? Um and I think it's like it's sort of cheating because again, like when your theme is power, like everything can relate to it in some form. Uh so yeah, it's I I guess I guess I'm just a cheater. So there we are. You know, sometimes that works. I wouldn't call it cheating. I would call it being intentional in the selection of your theme. That sounds way more snobbish and official. <laughs> and and charitable. So thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yes. No problem. All right. Yeah. So areas, a lot of these areas that I would say, like, this would be what you would do if you go back in revisions are also things that relate to strengths that will come up as I talk about them. Um, but these are the things that I feel like I would probably change. Um, or advise you to change. And every now and then I'm going to say one where I'm like, this could just be me. Like somebody Mm -hmm. else could completely disagree with this. And some of them I'm like, nah, I feel like I have a stronger instinct on this one, um, which is how I usually distinguish. So Mm -hmm. uh, Robert and his consistency in his actions. There, um, so you're playing with the theme of power and how it influences someone, especially someone who grew up very powerless and then has come into a position of power. I think that's great. I think there were a lot of times where that really worked well and I could feel the struggle. And then there were some times where I was like, where did that come from? Who are hmm. you, Robert? Um, so let's see. I wrote down a few examples of like, okay, so he sends Sydney on an important mission to stow away this trunk and then apologizes to him for doing that because it would seem like he was disrespecting him. So he's just taking very care, good care with that relationship to make sure, like, I just wanted you to let you know, like, this is, this was, you were important. But then later he finds out that the doctor didn't tell him something that his authority told the doctor not to pass on to Robert and he just like kicks him in the groin and watches him vomit (laughs) which feels like disproportionate and also when I read it I was like I don't like this guy anymore right Um, that was and and I think I know why you did that because you were (laughs) needing to hint at other things later Um, but you should not sacrifice what the character would actually do because as I read it I was like eh this is fine Paul's gonna change this because there's no way the character would have actually (laughs) done that right Um, yeah things and some of them are easier to fix like for example he punishes the boy on the ship who lost the evaporator um, which to me the boy was just literally going to get more water to fill up the evaporator which is what he was told to do so mm. he was being punished for doing the and and because Robert is so big on like following orders and like it didn't make sense to me that he would yeah. be like, yeah, punish you, kid. Mm. Whereas if, for example, you changed it and the kid like fell asleep and like right. was slacking off, then it would make total sense that he would do that. Um, so I think what I tend to do sometimes when I do revisions is I take every character and I just read through their dialogue and their actions one at a time. Um, not for like super minor characters, but Mm. for any that I would consider either main or secondary and say like, does this match? Um, and does this person have unique vocabulary and a unique set of quirks and um, gestures that go along with them? And if they don't, either if it's something that contradicts something they've already done or if they share too much in common with another character where it's hard to distinguish them, then you can make those changes at that point. And 
I personally feel like it's really hard to do until you've written the whole thing because you mm. don't necessarily know what is my character's moral code, what would they do and not do until you're done with it. And then you're like, okay, mm. now that I have it, I can apply it consistently to all of the things that the character does. So Yeah, you can smooth over their, uh, their strange bumps of character. Yes. yes. And it's also completely fine for someone to do something out of character. Um, so, for example, mm -hmm. I had noted that at one point when they go into town, um, Lee, one of the other officers, is just super harsh to one of the informants and then said, like, I just felt like it. Yeah. And <laughs> that's could be fine if like it comes into play later that he's like super racist against a particular group of people mm. and that right. um, becomes part of his character as opposed to just something that happens once. Um, it's a lot harder to do that with secondary characters because they're not as involved in the plot. So if it's something like that and you can't find a way to work it in, I'd suggest just changing it so it's something a little bit more normal. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing with character consistency to watch for, I would say, as you do another read through is there were several times where you told us what a character was like. And I was like, really? Like, I didn't realize, like, one big one for me was at the end when you were talking about the children, you said Ajax, um, the main leader kid, had a real attitude and all of the kids were acting like little lordlings. And I don't think I really got that from their interactions. Mm. Um, and that's kind of important to how Robert feels about them. Um, so I don't know in this case if I'd suggest amping, amping that up because I don't know mm. if that's like if they were too over the top, I don't know if I would believe that. So unless and maybe right. you can, maybe there's something in their culture that would make that make sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I get that. I think it's it's interesting because I. I think I need to be more precise with my language, you know, with those sorts of things. So I was thinking more along the lines of like, uh, when I'd say like little lordlings, I'm not thinking of like, eh, do what I say. I'm thinking of like, you know, having, uh, you know, all the luxuries of life and not really, you know, um, being able to take care of oneself or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, things like that. So yeah, but yeah, I think, I think being um, more precise with that is the author's job. So there we go. Mm -hmm. Great. So I think, and I think there are some characters that are pretty consistent. And I think Erica is one of those where you kind of know what she's about all the time. And she has a very distinct way of speaking and a sense of humor. Um, and I appreciated seeing that throughout. Um, there are several other ones as well, but I just remembered her. Um, mm. uh, the, also, I feel like Shaw, Dr. Shaw could be consistent, like more snobby throughout um, mm. because he ends up, he, she ends up only being snobby in the beginning. And I liked that. Mm. Like I liked the contrast yeah. with all of the other characters and it made the doctor stand out from the others. And then I think mm. as the plot moved on and more things were happening, that was that edge to that character was sort of lost, um, mm. but could still be fun to play with. Cause yeah, who doesn't totally. love snobby characters on a boat? Like, yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I think that, I was sort of like envisioning someone like softening up, you know, mm -hmm. to uh, people that they didn't know before. But yeah, in the beginning, it was like very hardcore, like, oh, you're just a lieutenant. <laughs> so, yeah. And that may be what you end up doing. I feel like, though, because the initial 
uh, cowardice and the this is not my usual lifestyle thing was played up a lot. That could continue even if you don't make all mm. of the doctor's exchanges really rude and demeaning. Yes, like, that's not yes. that's not a thing you need to do, but it could be fun to play with that. Um, right. Yes. No, that's cool. a very good point. This is the category that I feel like my lack of sci-fi and general maritime knowledge might come into as far as there are other people who could be completely clear on these things. Um, so there were a few points and like major plot points where I was like, I am really not sure what's happening and why um, mm. right now. And again, that could be because I don't understand chain of command things or that I missed some foreshadowing because I'm not used to genre conventions. So if you hear that from other people, it's probably good to take to heart. And if you don't, you can just assume that I missed something. Um, but I do think that some of the motivations and stakes of different parts of the story could probably be clarified, even if other people did end up figuring out what was going on. Um, but that said, I really appreciated the fact that you didn't over-explain things and have like, and now this is exactly why I'm going to do this thing. Um, so it's a delicate balance. And there were a lot of times when I was like, oh, fun. Like, I got to figure this out as the reader, what was happening. Um, but I think especially the bigger plot points, which I can name a few of them, that weren't super clear to me would be better for me to be told a few more things than I was told as a reader. Um, I, at one point, um, this is a smaller one, but Robert said that the crew of the Constant knows Dawn as well as any ship knows its captain. And I was really unclear, like I understood Dawn's relationship to Robert, but had the Constant been captained by Robert as opposed to mm. Beale? Um, because they all seemed to under that, that seemed important to them because they were making assumptions about what Don did based on their mm. knowledge of him. And yet right. I didn't realize that that was the case or how that could be possible given the working of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'll chalk one of those, uh, up to just, you know, having to write in a month and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that, um, I, I imagined like the constant being a more uh, constant presence uh, in the book in the beginning. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. And again, that one's very easy to fix because they could have heard rumors about Don without actually yeah. being his crew. And that would be just as good for what you need it for yeah. plot wise. And Don is definitely like a, you know, a character who has like uh, a certain um, he's, he's kind of the like wonder boy, you know, the, everybody, the way everybody talks about him. Yeah. I think, I think you can make assumptions about him through that, but not necessarily about his crew. Yeah. And I think you could also play that up more. Like the fact that there are stories, um, maybe even some like idioms or phrases that people refer to just like everybody knows these stories about Don, mm -hmm. um, which could also have some like fun comedic moments in there as well. Right. Um, I'm just assuming the type of things he would be up to would be end up being funny. Um, yeah. Uh, one other one. And again, this would be pretty easy to clarify is they got this sealed letter that they weren't supposed to open until a certain time. And then they opened it and everyone reacted. And I didn't understand their reactions or what the letter said. Um, mm. I think I might have had a guess at the end, but 
I was not clear on what the characters' reactions to that were, and I think that was because I wasn't clear, even from the beginning, of what the Admiral was accusing Dawn of. Um, mm, yeah. It was a little vague because they weren't sure. Yeah. But because of that, I couldn't interpret the letter that he sent and why everybody was so upset about it. Mm, yeah. So I, I think um, I, I tried to sort of explain in the dialogue, like when everyone was like upset, but uh, it's, it's basically a letter that like authorizes whoever holds the letter to like hunt this guy down. Um, and they were supposed to give it to like some uh, disreputable characters. And so, uh, yeah, just basically allowing a pirate to like hunt down, you know, someone from the Navy is verboten in these guys' minds because they're in the Navy. And, you know, it creates a like a really bad precedent and all these things. So, yeah, I think I definitely could have made that clearer. Um, I think just maybe even giving the text of like what's on the letter um, could uh, definitely clear things up. So I, I'm all about clarity and I, I don't, I don't want anybody to come to this and be like, oh, that's like, I, I must be like genre savvy to understand even what's going on. That's, that cannot be. Well, the good news was that was what I thought was probably like based on my reading of it. I think I just, mm -hmm. um, I was not clear from the beginning that the Admiral was pretty sure Don was up to no good because they discussed maybe he's insane. Maybe he's yeah. leaving us a coded message that would help us. Um, and while I think it's okay for Robert to entertain those different theories, I think with that letter, we just need to know the Admiral thinks he's up to no good. And that might right. actually be useful because mm -hmm. then um, if the Admiral is saying, Don is up to no good, and you're going to go go after him and investigate. And then Robert's like, eh, I don't really know if he's up to no good. That yeah, provides yeah. an interesting contrast there as well. Mm. So, And I think that would make that make more sense. Um, cool. Great. And then the last one, I was a little unclear about what um, Robert and his makeshift crew's plan was. Um, in what they were doing to Dawn at the end. Um, and I felt like some of it was deception that Dawn was in on and some of it wasn't. And I had mm. no idea how to sort out the two of those in the end. And I think that was what was leading to my general confusion with that. Yeah. So if you have any insights on that, I know deception is the hardest to do because you don't want to telegraph to the readers that not everything is as it seems until it's over, but I don't know if I ever got the clarity of what was as it, as it seemed to be. Who were yes. they lying to? Who were they telling the truth to? So part of the part of the difficulty with the end is to like sort of um, get away with protecting the children, but also like uh, taking the threat off the table. Um, Robert pretty much has to lie to everybody. He tells one story to Erica. He tells one story to the rest of the um, the crew of the Terminus. Um, and he tells one story to the kids. And it's all a big spiderweb of intrigue, which, um, you know, in the time that I had, that is not an excuse, I understand. But in the time that I had, uh, there was a level of just like, can't get into it right now. You know, mm -hmm. let's just see this play out. And again, that's a perfectly good excuse. If you just if you decide to go through rewrites on it, you would just need to say, okay, I need to figure out how to communicate to the reader what is the actual plan. And I think the main thing you would need to decide is, do you need to reveal it to the reader 
before it happens so they can understand mm. the lies that he's saying? Or do you want to keep it a surprise and explain it afterward? Um, and you would need yeah. a way to do that in either case, whether it's somebody who he trusts, who he reveals the plan to either before or after, or um, some sort of construct that would allow you to give a lot of information that's fairly complex without it being just like, and now let me reveal my plan. Um, because, you know, not ideal. Right. Yeah, no, I get that. And like, I've always been more partial to the um, Lies of Locke Lamora or the um, uh, Ocean's Eleven sort of reveal where it's like, oh, the plan you thought was being planned is actually, and then uh, you get to see it all play out. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, again, yes, it is tough to pull off. And this, this is something else I was sort of uh, thinking about when you were talking about like character consistency is just like, I was trying to inhabit uh, the mind of someone who is very different from me. Mm. Um, so someone who is very uh, comfortable laying down the law with like pretty extreme punishment and um, just a culture that is uh, more at home with the idea of like suffering and pain as like a tool. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, it's, again, it, we all do inhabit uh, different kinds of people to write these things. But at the same time, like, it always bugs me when you uh, are reading a book like Game of Thrones or something. And, you know, you're expecting like everyone in it to be like a feminist or like, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like uh, all these like sort of cultural things. I mean, in the first uh, couple chapters of that book, like you see the character that everybody loves, like cut off a deserter's head, you know, and it's a mm -hmm. it's it's just normal. Like that's how justice is done. And it's yeah, it it's not like condoning it, um, but it's also like trying to get in the head of a culture that does so. Yes. Yeah, that that's that was the biggest problem I came across with the characters and why I wanted someone, you know, uh, interested in history and historical fiction to approach it. Yeah, and I think that when I say character consistency, I don't think you need to go back and make Robert complete pacifist who's just mm -hmm. trying to win the crew over by being a good person. Um, yep. So there, I, I think it's more uh, making the reactions uh at the same level as uh as would they would warrant and making sure that the characters who do the things that get punishments actually deserve those punishments um, and i think mm. that that can work really well um, and yeah. also with the whole um intrigue ending i definitely think you could probably pull it off where you explain it later and it becomes clear what the real plan was to people because you do hint in the, his conversation with dawn that he's going to be doing something schemey so mm -hmm. the readers can be prepared to be like yeah i don't know how much of this like that's what i was thinking i'm not sure how much of this is the actual plan here um as long as at some point it does become clear to the reader of like, here's what the goal is, and this is why he had to do all of the scheming to get to that goal, um, which is hard. And I don't know. I was trying to think of practical things I could tell you for like places where that would be helpful or like places I was specifically confused. And I was like, I don't know, man. So <laughs> I, I feel like that's something where you just make choices as an author because you know what you what direction you want to go in. Um, sure. But I, I'm sure you can do that well. So you have well, my confidence, if not my advice. So <laughs> um, great. 
And then another thing was, I thought there was um, some foreshadowing in the story that I think worked really well, and some of it that I feel like you could strengthen by making mm -hmm. some changes earlier on in the story. Um, so the ones that I feel like you could maybe um, change a little bit is, um, on the one side, I feel like the Dr. Shaw identity thing was maybe a little bit too obvious early on. Mm. Um, maybe that's just because I'm a woman. And I <laughs> noticed that you were pointing out specific things. And I was like, why would Paul be calling attention to this? Aha, I bet mm. she's a woman. Um, <laughs> oh, I forgot to say spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's just that you're a woman that, you know, yes. you came up with that. There's a uh, I gave at least like three big uh, mm -hmm. sort of hints that I always highlighted with the word strange. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think, you know, again, in a book this small and with this many things going on, I just mm -hmm. made it uh, pretty obvious. But yeah, I could definitely, uh, I could definitely tamp down on that. And I mean, I think that especially the one of Dr. Shaw wanting privacy often and not being around the others could be um, associated more with the general snobbery. Um, mm. And that can kind of idea. give a reason for it. And I also don't think this one needs to be foreshadowed a ton because it's, it doesn't, it's not a reveal that the plot depends upon. Like it's not the big right. final reveal at the end. And so yeah. if you have just a few things, like even the fact that the doctor really didn't want to come on board the ship um, and mm. was really hesitant about that. And if also that added like sense of privacy, I feel like that might be enough. Um, to make that reveal feel worthwhile. Sure. Um, so. Yeah. That was no, one. I get it. I think on the other side of things, um, the Sydney's betrayal, I feel like that I really liked it. I feel like the mutiny worked well in the plot. I liked the little group of outcasts who were shoved off on a raft. Uh, I thought that was really fun and a fun plot twist and also a fun way of narrowing down the cast of the story so that we could get to know right. a few people better, which was great. Um, uh, the first few chapters, Sydney was very much like the rival to Robert and like mm -hmm. you talked about him as like, yeah, that spoiled guy who really doesn't want me to be captain. But then all mm -hmm. of their exchanges were super cordial and even positive even and like then they made peace with each other and i was like what in chapter 13 like you don't have anything to make peace for like you guys have been like strategizing and like complimenting mm. each other's great ideas um and i at the at the time i was like something really weird is going on in their dynamics and yeah. um so i don't know what i would advise with that whether i would say like do more with the antagonism until they have some sort of like crisis moment where they have to work together and then things mm. are better until they're not. Or if yeah. he's just never antagonistic toward Robert or sure. if I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure which one would have the best impact to make the betrayal um, seem more like which, which one would kind of heighten the uh, payoff of that foreshadowing right so and that's that's the tough thing with like yeah that's the tough thing with like betrayals is that um the character is actively trying not to be found out you know mm -hmm. um and so like how do you uh 
how do you give away through like hints that the character lets slip you know that like he really sees himself as above this guy or it, you know is is just uh trying to um trying to lay low yeah i think again just making uh sydney more consistent as a character mm-hmm. um and like again a little bit more snobbish and rough you know i don't know i i like i like it when people get along i guess mm-hmm. and that's like i yeah that is tough for character conflict um because I can kind of see everybody's point with like where they're coming from. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very, I need to be less understanding. I need to get a little bit more hatred. (laughs) No, I'm I'm messing around. Yeah, I know you are. But I also felt like there were some times when I was like, you know, I kind of like that this, this isn't the typical antagonistic, like this rich guy resents this poor guy Mm -hmm. dynamic between them. But then it still was it just was undercover so like maybe even just strengthening the like why he mutinied and like making it clear to the readers that he sees himself like i did get this but mm-hmm. maybe even more clearly because all we're seeing is what robert is trying to do it do to save everyone um, mm-hmm. and he's just trying to do the best he can in a very difficult situation and yeah. then Sydney, it's hard for us to see that Sydney also feels like he's saving everyone by doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I don't think I quite picked up on the, like, I didn't really sympathize with Sydney at all in the end. I was like, okay, you just are doing this because you don't like this poor kid who became captain, which I know mm. there was more to it than that. Like, he really feels right. like he is saving the day. And again, mm-hmm. that could be part of the, like, not understanding the letter and what it involved and maybe um maybe using that as like sydney really doesn't like the orders they receive like just setting up other right. things where it's yeah. like throughout there's some opposition between the two of them but it's not necessarily a personal opposition it's an idealistic right. opposition that then plays out mm. in a mutiny scenario so. yeah and i think so yeah that is that is totally i think that the like personal um dislike of one another is uh, definitely you know, makes the mutiny more plausible. But um, yeah, one thing that uh, I was a little bit disappointed about, you know, reading back through my book is uh, the sort of like the reason behind, you know, why everybody wants this thing, uh, this spaceship, and like, why some people would want to bury it because like, they just want the world to not explode. And other people who like, want to get it because it'll like, let them project power. I sort of pictured in the back of my mind, you know, like a constitutional monarchy that wants to become an absolute monarchy. And like Sydney is like, yeah, give me that. And so um, it was sort of like why I was including class as a conversation to begin with, because there's a definite level of like, if you've been on the streets, you will sympathize with one political point of view. And if you've like only been in your your manner and s- sipping your tea with your pinky up, like you will view things from another uh, perspective mm-hmm. politically. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's really good. And actually that leads me to think like, so when I say you don't have to make the antagonism personal, I feel like leaving the level of personal antagonism you have is good, but you don't need to make it into McTwisty mustache evil laughter again. <laughs> yeah. My pitch is like Robert uh, is sort of like confused by why Sydney is acting so nice because he's like, 
you've always been a complete dick to me before. Like, you know, why are you suddenly like being all chummy? And it's because he's like trying to be sneaky and, you know, uh, trying not to be discovered as like a overthrower. Well, I like that pitch. I think that probably Robert would need an alternate explanation for that so that he doesn't mm. get immediately suspicious. So there are lots of alternate explanations, though. Um, yeah, so. like I'm the captain. He wants to kiss up to me, you know? Yeah, like especially that. if there's something at stake that he knows like, oh, he's just trying to whatever thing it is. Um mm. Uh, like if there's some sort of promise of reward and he gets to decide how to split it up or whatever whatever the case mm -hmm. is, or if he knows that, or if um, Sydney tells him that his performance on this mission will make him be considered for a position later on. And so it's like, oh, well, obviously. Yeah, yeah um, right. Something like that where it's like, especially it could be interesting if Robert, like, asks him why he's being so nice and then he has to come mm. up with some sort of reason and he's like oh man like, <laughs> but like yeah, something yeah. plausible that the readers would be like oh like now this makes sense and i don't have to think yeah. about this anymore but i was trying not to be weird and that was even weirder <laughs> that's like yes very relatable and maybe yeah maybe that would be an interesting dynamic instead of um i feel like the i liked the setting of their let's be friends again with the mutiny songs and like the ominousness mm. of it but i feel like that conversation if it was something different where you were like sure. not like where it was something that you're like oh like this makes sense now i will go on my merry reading way and not pay any more attention <laughs> to their relationship um, until it explodes and until you're like ah, surprised Right. I'm surprised so much. Especially if there are things like that we uh, end up liking about Sydney. And that brings me to what I was going to say, which wasn't like a solution to this. It was more a, um, I feel like I like the idea of Sydney standing for a different political stance. I just feel like you didn't introduce the crown and like right. what they were doing until there was suddenly yeah. a spy for the crown. And I was like, what the right. heck? Like the the. <laughs> royalty of this country is not on board with what the admiral's plans are mm. um so yeah and that can very easily be introduced somehow early on but to make that a key world building element early on and then yeah. it makes it a lot more clear when some people side with one side or the other um what the stakes are for the political powers will also influence what the stakes are for the individual people who are aligned with those political powers so yeah. that could be great. I feel like I really like the idea of knowing what Sydney stands to gain politically from this and why he um, is in favor of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love like criticism because like I just think of like solutions to the problems, you know, mm -hmm. that's exciting to me. So like I'm thinking like, oh, what if the spaceship instead of hovering over like the Queen's palace, they hover over like Parliament and she's like, oh, they have all the power and the aliens know it and ugh. Mm -hmm. so yeah 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 so um and like sydney reacting to that like oh those idiots i hate them mm -hmm. so yeah yeah oh, i love this i love this yeah and it might be a little bit hard to figure out how to work that in early enough on because i feel like it should be in the first few chapters that we get there but even something with the admiral um communicating a disdain for um, the royal family in some way and you can use that to mention that tension that exists um, it's a perfectly yeah. logical tension so i think it's not yeah. going to be hard to explain it's just fundamental to the rest of the things that are going on um, right 
Okay, so last big thing, because I don't have any, like, at the end of the story, you're like, I don't know about this ending. And I was like, I don't know either, because I feel like it depends on some of the choices that you make elsewhere. So this isn't really in relation to the ending. It might just influence your ending. But, um, so Robert's your main character. You're dealing with the theme of power. And you have three main captains who he's had before this. Um, uh, First Oliver, and then Don, and then Beale. Um, there are big reveals about all three of them. I had a hard time keeping them straight because yep. they're only briefly mentioned. And I feel like that took away some of the impact. And I cared about some of the reveals more than I did others because of the way you set them up and how tied they were to Robert as a person. Um, yeah. so, um, I will give my thoughts on this. This you can go Please. in whatever way you think, but in thinking about what you feel like um, you want to do with the story, there are some that I think will be easier than others to explore more. So if you're broadening the story and making this a lot longer, I think you could probably include all of these subplots um, and make them all uh, meaningful to the reader. I think if it's going to stay this length or only a little bit longer, that you're probably going to have to chop one of them um, because I think otherwise it's going to be hard for the reader to keep track of and care about all of the things that went on um, in Robert's past. So here's why I have hesitancies about Beale as an abuser storyline, or not Beale as an abuser, sorry, Oliver as an abuser storyline. I think you can definitely go with it and make the whole story, um, make the power as a theme focus on that, but it would require the most changes to what you're doing currently, I feel like, because um, first of all, I think um, if you're writing a book to explore the complexities of child abuse and its effects on people, that can be really well done. If you're using it as a plot twist at the end and it's not mm -hmm. really um, inherent in the character until that point because you're trying to hide it from the reader, I don't know that it does as much justice to child abuse as an issue and yeah. knowing that it would be triggering for a lot of readers. I think you can definitely do it, but it has to be, it has to be like one of the main themes as opposed yeah. to something that's in there. Um, yeah. As something that's like, and it's it's tough because I, I did try to forecast a little bit and like mm -hmm. the level of, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the thing is it, it does feel cheap because, you know, this is a short book with a short amount of space to deal with, you know, something that heavy and weighty. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, same thing with Beale, like two of his uh, sort of commanding officers turn out to be like total monsters. Um, mm -hmm. and that's a, like, as a third act reveal, you're right. It does get crowded and it yes. doesn't necessarily, um, do uh, diligence to, you know, what's obviously like a very heavy and terrible, uh, thing. And I think the way you could do that, if you thought, you know, I really feel like as you think through a plot that the Oliver is a child abuser, one is the one to go with. I think in that case, you'd need to say, okay, knowing that this is what happened to Robert in his youth, how does that affect his view of power from the start? Because at one point in the end, he's talking to Don and Don is like, we are protecting these children. Like, it's like, don't you dare think about killing them for what their parents did. And Robert's like, I don't know, man, like maybe we should kill the children. And, uh, <laughs> Then he's like, wait, 
like I of all people, like that's the same time you reveal the child abuse thing. Um, whereas if that actually happened to him, either he would be so callous that he himself doesn't care about human life, even the most vulnerable human life, or he would be especially protective of the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And he seems like he's kind of walking in between, um, mm -hmm. which I think is fine, except for that experience that he had. Whereas if he didn't have that experience, I think it would be pretty easy to make the power dynamics more about class struggle and like, well, it just happens, like it's life on the streets. But because of that very personal experience he had as a child, to think of him like considering killing the kids doesn't seem as realistic for his character. Yeah, and that's tough because I, I don't I don't know that I was like trying to get across that. Um, and mm. again, mm. you don't have a lot of time to like flesh these things out, but like I'd, I'd never pictured him like even considering like murdering children. You know, that was not a, that was not at least my what was in my heart when i wrote it mm -hmm. um you know at the same time uh yeah i think he is aware that like you know yeah and it's also difficult because like writing a book from the point of view of someone you know necessarily they're going to have shadows and necessarily yes. they're going to have like things that they don't see or understand um mm -hmm. about themselves and at the same time, you need the reader to understand that to see why they're doing what they're doing, even if mm -hmm. they don't really know. So as a challenge and yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. And again, I feel like if you decided to keep that, you could go through it and say, what changes would I need to make knowing that this is part of this person's past? Um, and also, how can I distinguish, like, how can I order for people? Like, okay, he was under this captain, then this captain, then this captain, and now it's present day. And make sure that we know who all of them are enough for this reveal to be impactful. Um, because various soldiers did mention the names of these people throughout, mm -hmm. um, including the Admiral in the very first scene, uh, but uh, not often and not with any characterization. Um, and there were no specific flashbacks or stories told about them where we could distinguish them in our minds. Um, the other reason I feel like the Beale storyline might be slightly better, although I would say like maybe a few more hints about that would be good because the Admiral mentions like he was killed in an alleyway and like that's a shame in the very first chapter when so many other things are going on that you're like, right. don't know who that guy is, just trying to figure out what you're doing here. Yeah, um, yeah. And then later it doesn't come up like nobody's like, oh, you shouldn't go corrals in the streets on this island because remember what happened to Beale or something right. like that where you can remember like, oh, yeah, like met a bad end. Like that's unfortunate for that guy. Um, yeah. But the reason I like that one more is because it doesn't feel like it's just there to be a plot twist because throughout you've made all of these hints about what happened to his parents um, or like what he experienced, um, like, you know, his mom was killed, but you don't know by whom and, you know, his dad turned him out and you learn progressively more. And so I felt really invested in like, oh, like, what's the story behind that? And I had no idea that it was that he killed right. Neil. And I really liked the way that reveal played out, too, um, with him talking to the kids and revealing that to the reader, but not to the kids. Like, that was just really good. Um, cool. Yeah. And so for that reason, I tend to prefer that one, but I think the other one can work. It's just that it's heavy and that's going to be a lot of work to unpack in a good way. So you can do yeah. it. I totally. believe in you, but it would have to be pretty <laughs> tough to do that. I think also because most of that reveal was done in a scene where 
Don was supposedly drunk. And also, like, it was hard to the reveal figure out itself. what he was trying to say. Yeah, because in that scene, you were both trying to reveal what his plan was going to be and also his past and who Don is. Um, and there was a lot going on that I felt like I couldn't, it didn't have the gravity that a reveal like that maybe should have. Um, mm-hmm. So that could be another yeah. thing to address if you decide to keep that plot twist. So Totally. Um, I think that's actually a really good point for anyone listening. Like, you know, you introduce a mystery that like needs to be solved by your reader, you know, like, Oh, there's a mom murder. Like this can't just be here for no reason. Like, you know, he, Mm -hmm. he specifically like remembers certain things about it. And like, it's obviously like important driving force in his life. Like I'm going to tuck that back in my mind. And then when, you know, reveals are made, then, you know, it will be satisfying. Um, The same thing was not like done for Oliver. And, you know, there's definitely like, you know, the character sort of cringes whenever he hears about this guy and, you know, uh, does not seem to hold him in the same high esteem as everyone else. But like, it's not a sort of like, it's not in the back of the reader's mind, like, oh, I need to find out what happened to this guy when he was like the cabin boy or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that was never something that people were like trying to figure out. So yeah, I think I think it's a really good point for like, if you're going to do reveals it should be something that like your reader is like really wanting to know um even if they don't know that they want to know it so yeah yeah and you know i feel like another aspect to that is that this story is told entirely from robert's point of view and because robert is hiding these secrets and especially the one about oliver there's nothing that you could like you can you can characterize Oliver more like you can show that other people really like him and then that will draw out more that Robert doesn't. But I think if you had a had a story where there were two different perspectives, this would be a lot easier to pull off in a satisfying way than just from Robert's point of view. You can still do it, but I think it would be, as I think about it, I think, oh, if this story was told partially from Don's point of view or somebody maybe who held Oliver in high esteem or who knew about him over legends, there would be a lot more hinting that you could do without being in Robert's head where it would feel like you're just cheating the reader if you don't reveal what he's thinking. So, yeah. And as you were saying, like at the start of the podcast, like maybe those people can be combined, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Beale and Oliver character. And so, Yeah. yeah, that's a, um, yeah, condensing so that you don't have like 15 different things going on and confusing everybody. Um, yeah, condensing characters is one uh, way to do that. Yeah, and they definitely, those things serve the theme. And so just thinking about like, how does this serve the theme? And also the fact that you have a lot of plot twists that are really good. And I think that you don't need to try to be like, okay, how can I cram in as many as I possibly can in this ending here? Um, yeah. So if you end up losing one or having one that is a reveal earlier on or something like that, I think it will still have the impact of the plot because I think that at the point that the readers are at where they're really invested in Robert, um, they're going to care about finding out about his past and they're also going to care about the decision that he makes in the future. Yeah, so I feel like that just highlights a really good example of you have a lot of great things going on. It's just a matter of looking through the story and deciding what's going to best serve the plot and the theme and especially the character. Since Robert is the main reason we're reading this story, um, what's going to be um, 
both contribute to us liking him as a character and being especially excited when he succeeds in his uh, next few chapters of Daring Do, which I enjoyed. It was quite fun. Great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming. I do want to point out uh, to the listener that uh, at no point did you bring up technology or in the end, they end up talking to a whale briefly. Um, And Mm -hmm. none of that is like really that important to a reader like it can be like cool like window dressing but it's really about the characters and about like what uh what they're about um and the conflict they're in so if you are a writer and you're worrying about like oh hey i i need to make the technology systems like totally flawless like that's not really the point in uh, in this type of fiction Yep, that is definitely true. It's all about the characters and the plot and can have some great world building stuff. And I feel like that definitely adds. But I'm never going to call you out because whatever gizmo shouldn't be able to do these two different things. Yep, that's fine. Yep. Uh, Thank you so much, Amy. This was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I really look forward to messing around with this book a little bit. Um, but, uh, man, it was such a pleasure having you on and, uh, I feel like I just stole, uh, your professional critiquing abilities. Never feel guilty. I feel like whenever you're reading and critiquing something, you know what to better look for in the things that you write as well. And so it's just a good exercise for everyone. Yep. I will try to get some expertise so that I can donate it as well. So um, thanks again. Oh, you have it. (laughs) I I kid, I kid. Uh, Amy, thank you again. This was uh, just a pleasure. And um, yeah, I appreciate you uh, working through uh, the technical difficulties and reading a whole dang book uh, to do a podcast Mm -hmm. is really, really awesome. So thanks again. And uh, you have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks.